I've heard it said, and I believe it's probably true, that if you were to start a restaurant and you had consistently really good food, I mean excellent cooking, and you had a friendly waiting staff, the, the servers were, were friendly and did their work properly, that if you had those two things, consistently excellent good food and consistently good service, you could ask your price and the people would come. Uh, and I believe that's probably true. People love to eat out and people will pay a price, will pay an expensive price to eat out. But it's got to be that way. You got, I got to know when I go there, I'm going to have really good food. Every time I go, it's excellent. And the, the, the waiting staff is always just the best. I'll go back. Now, with that in mind, I want to also tell you that it's been explained that of all businesses that start and fail, you know what the number one kind of business is? Restaurants. Now, put those two things together. And what do you think the problem is? People want to go out to eat and will pay a big price to go out to eat. But why do restaurants go out of business? Because they don't consistently do those two things we mentioned. The food is not consistently good. The waiting staff is not consistently friendly and helpful. And so because of their inconsistency, they go out of business. All right. Now, with that, with that sort of illustration as a backdrop, I want to talk about consistency in a more important realm. We value consistency, and we should not be surprised to know that God values consistency in us as well. And we want to talk about consistency in our lesson this morning. We stop here just for a minute to add words of welcome to those that have already been spoken. We are glad that you're here. As, as Wade said, we were really knocked down with the flu a couple weeks ago in particular. Um, and we're glad that so many have recovered and are able to be back with us. Uh, I always encourage you, wash your hands. Uh, you, you know, it's the, the flu season's not over yet. Be sure and don't take a setback. If you, or if you haven't had it yet, don't get it. But we're glad that you're here. We have visitors today. We're glad for our visitors. We want you to come back every time you have an opportunity to be here. Uh, we, we appreciate the blessing of being able to worship God. And we believe that He wants us to worship as He has described in the pages of His inspired Word. We're trying to do that. And so if you have any questions, especially those of you who are visiting, if you have any questions, why do you do that? Why do you do that that way? Please ask those questions and we'll try to give you an answer from the Bible. We're glad that you're here today. Let's talk about consistency. I'd like to start out by looking at that passage that Henry read for us earlier from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning verse 16. And I think that we see the Apostle Paul as a model of, uh, of consistency. He said, Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For, for this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, notice, as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul said, you could use me as an example if you want to. Be followers of me. And that would, one of the things that would make it easy to follow Paul was that he was always teaching the same thing. He didn't, he didn't go one place and teach one thing and then go someplace else and teach something different. That would be an, that'd be a confusing pattern to imitate, right? Paul says, you can follow me because I'm consistently teaching the same things everywhere I go. So Paul was consistent in that way. But not only was he consistent in his teachings, he was consistent in his practice too. In Philippians chapter 3, 
beginning verse 7, he says, What things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. So Paul just was consistently living what he taught. He always did. It wasn't just what he taught, it was how he lived. And he carried through. Teaching and practice were consistent in the case of Paul. And you know, we would not say about Paul that he was just a fair-weather Christian. Yeah, he, he would consistently teach and do as long as it was easy. No, we know that he carried on consistently even when things got hard. In Acts chapter 20, as he's saying his final farewell to the elders at Ephesus, he said, Now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and affliction await me, or abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course. So Paul was consistently teaching and doing, and even when it got hard, and even when it was pretty clear that severe persecutions were ahead, he'd already suffered a lot of things, and even more was coming, and he wouldn't back down. He said, I'm going to finish my course. So I think that you would agree with me uh, that Paul was certainly a model of consistency. And we need to imitate him, and we need to do as he should, as he did. Uh, now, the problem, of course, is that sometimes consistency fails. And instead of being consistent in what we do as the children of God, we are inconsistent. And I want you to, I want you to think with me about a few ways in which we maybe manifest, instead of the consistency of Apostle Paul, maybe we are inconsistent. For instance, I would suggest to you that we are inconsistent by hearing the truth of God but by, but not doing it. Have you been shocked watching the news uh, in, the, in the last several weeks about the violent protests against the changes in government in Washington, D.C.? Uh, I think it's been rather shocking. Uh, uh, and the people who are protesting don't even want to hear a different point of view, uh, which is rather terrifying. It's sad and somewhat terrifying to see people reacting in that way. But... Religiously, people also do that. Some get mad at the very hearing of a message maybe that's different than what they have believed or thought before. Uh, so some people violently react to a hearing of a message that they don't like. It's true in politics. It's true in religion. But that's not us, right? We're glad to hear the message of the gospel preached to us. Uh, we're glad to hear the truth. We're especially glad to hear the truth if the speaker is a skilled speaker, if he can hold our attention, if he can illustrate his lesson well, if he's a gifted uh, public speaker in particular, we're glad to hear that. But the problem is that while we might be glad to hear, putting it into practice is, a, is another thing. And maybe that's where we are inconsistent. In James chapter 1, beginning verse 21, James says, Receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. But notice, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. 
I think we know these verses well. We refer to them often. But certainly it stresses the idea that it's not enough to just gladly hear the message of the gospel. The necessity is to put it into practice, to hear and do what we have heard. I really like the illustration. You can picture it so well there that James uses. He says, you know, a guy who hears but doesn't do is like a man who goes and looks at himself in a mirror. And he sees that there are certain elements of his appearance that need correction. Maybe he needs to comb his hair. Maybe he needs to wash his face. He sees those flaws in his appearance, but he turns and goes away without making the correction and even forgets pretty soon what he saw when he looked into the mirror. And James says that is the picture of someone who would hear the message of truth and not do anything about it. It's inconsistent to hear, but not to obey. I think also, and this is really similar, but just maybe takes it one step further, it's inconsistent to say and not do. Now, uh, so I hear the message, and I agree with the message, and maybe I even suggest that the message ought to be obeyed, that it should be followed, but I don't have any follow-through. I hear, believe, but I'm not doing. Uh, I, I say that I'm going to, but I don't follow through with the doing of the things that I've learned in the Word of God. Jesus described some of the religious leaders of his day in Matthew chapter 23, beginning verse 2, the scribes and Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. So here are some people who were known to be religious, very religious. In fact, these guys that Jesus is describing here are religious leaders. Uh, they knew the truth. They even taught the truth. Jesus said, whatever they tell you to do, you do it because they are telling you what the law of Moses says. So they knew and they even accurately taught, but they would not obey. They insisted others obey, but they themselves were not obedient. I wonder if sometimes we do that. We, we know the truth. We're glad to hear the truth. We want to hear the truth. And we profess to love the truth. And we even suggest our own obedience to the truth, but we don't follow through. Now, if somebody else doesn't, we'll insist and get back to the truth, do the truth. Maybe we are inconsistent saying that we're devoted to the truth, but not really doing the things that are found there. So it's one thing to hear, not do. It's another thing to even believe and say you will obey, but not follow through. And then this is still along that same line. It's a, it's a real form of inconsistency to claim that you love the Lord, but not be keeping His commandments. Uh, here... Uh, we are describing people who would go so far as to announce their love for the Lord. And occasionally we were around some people. I, I hope we all are quick to acknowledge our love for the Lord. But sometimes, uh, I'm sure you have had the experience of being around people as I have, who talk at length about how much they love the Lord. And then you see in their lives that they absolutely are not doing what the Word of God says. In First John chapter 5, verse 3. John says, for this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. So this is pretty easy, one-on-one, straightforward. Love of God? What is the love of God? Keeping His commandments. We demonstrate our love for God by keeping His commandments. That's, that's really not difficult, is it? 
And I really think this is important where, where John says the commandments are not grievous. You know, I think the other night on the virtual Bible study, Monty suggested the illustration. He's not asked us to climb Mount Everest, you know. If he did, uh, I think we'd probably have to harness on our climbing gear and get started at it. But he hasn't asked us to do anything like that. The commandments that God has asked us to keep are not grievous. They're not, it's not horrible. It's not impossible. In fact, it's even for our good. People who will live according to the truths revealed in God's Word it will live a better life, an enriched life. His commandments are not grievous. But if you love Him, you have to do what His Word says. Jesus put it so simply in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. How could you say it any plainer than that? And so, what we have then, sort of maybe a, uh, a gradual development of thought here. Some hear but won't do. Some say they will but don't. Some claim even that they love the Lord but are not manifesting that by keeping His commandments. Now, our point is that all of that suggests inconsistency in us. You know? We want to be consistent. We value consistency. But we're inconsistent if we do the kind of things that we have been describing so far. I think another form, now moving maybe in a slightly different direction, another kind of inconsistency is to see everybody else's faults but not see my own. And I think we're all pretty good at doing that as well. Um, I can see... And I can describe what's wrong with the other fellow, you know. But I'm not so honest to evaluate myself and see where I need to make corrections. And that's a real inconsistency. If I can see it in others, I ought to be able to see it myself. Wouldn't you agree? And so another form of inconsistency is to see faults in others, but not our own. The famous text about this is the one that Jesus mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, beginning verse 3, Jesus said, Why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. So, Jesus here, again, this is one of those word pictures that Jesus drew that's so graphic and so easy to imagine in your mind's eye. A guy with a huge beam sticking out of his eye. The word beam there, a beam in thine own eye, it means what we think that word means. A beam. You've got this huge board sticking out of your eye. And the other fellow's got a speck in his eye. And you want to try to get that speck out of his eye while ignoring the beam sticking out of your own eye. It's just a ridiculous concept to even imagine. But Jesus says that's often the problem. I got this, I got this beam in my eye. I got this huge problem in my eye and I'm not addressing it. But I'm seeing your fault. You've got a speck in your eye and I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to insist to get that out of your eye while I'm not addressing my own problems. That's really inconsistent, wouldn't you agree? The word Jesus used to describe it was hypocrisy. He said, thou hypocrite. You know, that's the Bible word for the concept that we're talking about this morning. The concept we're talking about this morning of inconsistency is really the biblical notion of being a hypocrite. And we really want to avoid that. You know, as you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you read the very words of Jesus, 
I think you'll agree with me that Jesus' strongest condemnation came to those who were hypocrites, who said one thing but did something else, who were inconsistent in their life and in their practice. Now, we want to avoid that. We always have to point out when we look at this text that Jesus was not saying ignore problems, you know. But what he was saying is get your own problems, address your own problems first. Then you can help somebody else with their problem. But don't be trying to help others with their problems when you're not taking care of your own issues. That's a form of hypocrisy or inconsistency as we're describing this morning. Another way that we can be inconsistent is by saying that we love God while hating our brethren. If I were to ask the very simple question this morning, do you love God? I I hope, I'm, I'm confident, and I hope that everyone here would quickly answer in the affirmative, yes, of course, I love God. I'll tell you something, we are seriously inconsistent if we say we love God, but we mistreat our brethren. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, John says, If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? That's pretty strong words, wouldn't you agree? If you say you love God, but you're not treating your brethren right, John says, you are a liar. That's lying. You can't do that. How can you love God or claim to? You can't see God. You can see your brother. How can you say you love God who you can't see when you can't, when you are not loving your brother who you do see? I'm concerned sometimes when brethren act like it doesn't matter how we treat each other, you know. I can treat you mean, hatefully, with contempt. If I want to, I will, in fact. And it doesn't matter. It's my business and I'll do as I please. No. That's not right. It does matter. And it's a serious, sinful sort of inconsistency to say I love God and not be concerned about manifesting my love for my brethren. You know this verse in John 13, verse 35. Jesus, these are the words of Jesus. He said, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples if you have love one to another. Jesus said that our brotherly love and our our relationships with one another would be a sign of discipleship. If I love my brethren, I'm showing that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ. What if I don't show my love for brethren? Well, wouldn't the inverse be true then? If I... if I show my love for Christ, I show my discipleship, I show my discipleship by loving my brethren. What am I showing if I don't love my brethren? I don't even know if it's a word, but wouldn't I be showing undiscipleship or non-discipleship if I don't love my brethren? I think that would have to follow, right? And so it's really inconsistent for us to say that we love God but we don't love our brethren and we're not treating them the way we should. Well, I think you can agree with me that this list could be expanded. There's a real problem. Consistency is what we want, but too often we are inconsistent. And there's a lot of ways that we could talk about that. And and again, the Bible word really is hypocrisy. Uh, We're being hypocrites. And we've got to get that out. We've got to rid ourselves of that. Let me suggest one more way that we're inconsistent. We teach the possibility of apostasy, but we act like it's not possible. You know what we mean by 
possibility of apostasy, right? That's the idea that you can fall away. Uh, some of our religious friends teach the idea of once saved, always saved. And they teach the, and when they say that, once saved, always saved, they're teaching the impossibility of apostasy. You can't fall away and be lost. That's what, that's what they say. Well, we'll be glad to debate them on that subject. In fact, through the years, many debates have been held on that subject. And so for all of our religious friends who have that wrong idea that you can't fall away, that you're once saved, always saved, everybody, all those who have that, and we think it's a, an unbiblical concept, we would, we'd be glad to engage in debate about it. You want to have a debate about that? We, we can do that. We'll do it right away. It, it won't take us long to prepare our information to refute that false doctrine of once saved, always saved. But the problem is, while we deny the doctrine, I think sometimes we live in such a way that we act like you can't fall away. Because, you know, when Christians, when Christians uh, do things that they know they're not supposed to do, and when they neglect to do other things they know that they should be doing, aren't they sort of saying, well, I don't think it matters. And I don't think God really does take notice of those things. And I don't, and I don't really think that I could be lost. And so we deny uh, the, the impossibility of apostasy. But we live like we think it is impossible to fall away. We know we can fall away. In James chapter 5, beginning verse 19, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Notice, James was writing this to brethren. And to those brethren, he says, If any of you, brethren, do err from the truth. Brethren can err from the truth. Uh, they need to be brought back. They need to be converted. They need to have their soul saved which implies that their soul is lost while they're in that condition. And we need to go to them, convert them, bring them back. Brethren can be in a situation to be lost. The, the very famous text along these lines is Second Peter 2, beginning verse 20. I really don't even think any comment is needed about this text. Peter says, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning, for it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. What, what do you need? How much help do you need understanding that? That's very simple to understand, right? You can go back like the dog to his vomit, like the sow wallowing in the mire. You can go back. You can be lost. Therefore, we need the warning that Paul issued in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. We can fall. And it'd be inconsistent for us to act like that's not possible. Consistency should be the goal of us all. Inconsistency is the problem we have to deal with. And I hope that we'll all be encouraged to to strive toward a more consistent walk with the Lord, more faithful in doing His will day in and day out. We're going to end the lesson with a song of invitation. As we sing this song, we're going to be encouraging everybody to think about your relationship with God. First of all, to those who are Christians, because our lesson this morning has been especially addressed toward us. 
Are we consistently doing the will of God in our life? Or are we being inconsistent, being hypocritical? If you realize that that's the case and you need the prayers of the saints, we'd be glad to join with you in prayer. If, uh, if you need to confess and pray to God, we'd be glad to pray with you so that you could once again be right with God and leave this place justified in His sight this morning. If you're not yet a Christian, we hope you'll make a decision to obey that simple gospel plan of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized for the remission of sins. If we can help in any way, let us know while we stand and sing this song.